Hello and welcome to Crafts with an Edge, the creative podcast that explores the edgier side of life. Hey friend, it's your host, Carolyn Edge. And before we get started today, I have some really exciting news to share with you. I've had a lot of people asking me to teach them how to do paper quilling. If this is you, if it's something you've been wanting to learn, I am so excited to announce that I'm now offering workshops. I'm calling this series Quill and Chill because I love a good play on words, and I'm planning on doing these workshops at least on a monthly basis and not only offering quilling but also offering a variety of other craft workshops because there's a lot of stuff that I love to create. All of the quilling workshops will come with a kit of supplies with everything you need for that individual project and nothing more, nothing that's going to create extra mess for you. So let me tell you, when I started out quilling, I bought these supply kits online that had hundreds of strips of paper. And let me tell you, this was a mistake. They make a huge mess and they are impossible to store when you have that many. So I've found a better way. I cut my own strips and I'm sending you only the supplies that you need for that product. So you'll have no additional mess lying around. I also found that pre-cut strips that you find online are really fickle and flimsy. They're difficult to handle and they don't really hold well in the project. So I have found better paper that I like to cut myself. It's thicker, it's gonna hold the design better and it's easier to handle. So not only will you get all the supplies that you need, I will be walking you through the process step-by-step in a live session over Zoom. And if you can't make it, or if you wanna watch it again later, the replay will be sent out after the event. So no worries about that. The first workshop is coming up quickly. It's on November 28th, and we will be making magnets of a succulent. I also have another one already scheduled for December 12th, and we'll be making snowflake ornaments. Each kit comes with supplies for two magnets or ornaments, so you can make one for yourself and you can give another as a gift, or hey, you can keep two for yourself. You can also make these workshops a gift for a loved one with the holidays coming up. It's 2020 and I don't know about you, but this year has made me value experiences more than things. So I think these would make such a fun gift. I'm so excited to share the experience with you. You can check out all the info on my website, edgecraftatx.com. As always, I'll be posting about it on Facebook and Instagram at edgecraftatx. And be sure to check registration deadlines. In order for me to ship the supplies to you on time, registration closes usually a week before the event. All right, let's get started with today's episode. So today I have a guest with me. Her name is Rachel J, and she's sharing a really beautiful, vulnerable story today about grief and how it relates to toxic positivity, which is something we've talked a little bit about already on this podcast. So first, a little bit of background here. Like I said, I know we have talked about this topic a little bit, but the reason for that is because when I was starting out my podcast and trying to figure out what this whole thing was going to be about, I initially had the idea to create a monthly theme, and I was going to create artwork around that theme. And as I started diving into that, this monthly theme started to feel like a trap rather than something that felt like it was the best for the intention of the podcast and for me and for my audience. So I ditched the idea of the monthly theme, but I already had these two episodes recorded with these incredible women, Rachel, and then another episode with Sarah Logan, who's going to be on the podcast next week. And the first theme that I had picked was about toxic positivity. 
So even though I made a slight pivot by taking away that monthly theme, what Rachel has to say in this episode and what Sarah has to say in next week's is so good that I really want to share it with you. So at the risk of hounding this topic a little too much, I know I already did one episode on toxic positivity, but I believe that this topic is really one of the cornerstones of my brand and what I'm passionate about sharing with the world. So this idea of living on the edge to me as I'm defining it and forming it, it's really about living your most authentic life to me. And in order to do that, we have to get real when unpleasant feelings come around. So shoving stuff deep down and not addressing it, it leads to a bottled up explosion. So art is a great way to help us process our experiences and express them, which is where all of that connects to these ideas. And this episode and the next don't necessarily address art too much, but I believe the connection is there, even if we're not explicitly talking about it today. And as this podcast is developing and the purpose of it is forming, I feel like it's important to quickly address again what you can expect to find in different episodes. So some are going to be geared more towards art, the creativity and the crafts and all of that side of thing. And others are going to be more about life stuff or about badass babes who are doing badass stuff in the world. This episode is centered more around the life stuff, and it's all one and the same to me, though, because creativity and art and all of that good stuff help us get through life, right? Art is about life, and life is about art, so that's where the connection is to the theme for this podcast. So... Without further ado, I'm really excited today to introduce you to Rachel J. She's a connection coach, and if you're a man who grew up with a conditioning that vulnerability equals weakness, she is here for you. She's developed support programs that begin with healing a man's most intimate relationships, first with himself, then with his partner. Her journey here comes from personal experience and also years where she worked as a platonic touch practitioner and found that it was a majority of male clients who came to her for that. Through all of that, she's pinpointed the root of loneliness among men, particularly married men with children. And she also does this with a really fun football metaphor. So you can get her free playbook. It's called Five Fumbles When You're Trying to Score and the Recoveries to Earn Your Bedroom MVP. You can find more information in that free playbook on marriagemvp.com, and you can also connect with her on Instagram at rachelj.co, and I'll have the spelling and all of that in the show notes. And I think what Rachel is doing is really just incredible. I really believe that we have failed men in our culture that send so many harmful messages to men about what it looks like to be a man and what, what masculinity is. I think that so much can transform here if we address these pain points, both from an individual level and and affecting their relationships to, I truly believe that on a grand and global scale, things like war and mass shootings can be prevented when we help heal our hurting men. So whether you need a compassionate ear or you're looking to reignite the intimacy in your relationship, give Rachel a holler. She can help you out. All right. I'm excited to get onto our conversation with Rachel. So here she is. So we're excited to hear your story today, Rachel. Hi. Hi, Carolyn. <laughs> Thank How you so much you? for having me. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, t- go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I am a connection coach and I'm based in Brooklyn, New York. Um, 
sort of long story short, I got into this after the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something to counteract all the division and the hatred and Mm. the polarization and marginalization and, you know, all the isations that were coming out of that result. And so I became a platonic touch practitioner Mm. um, because I found myself wanting to hug strangers and, Mm -hmm. you know, just do something so that people felt less alone. Um, And coincidentally, this is actually overlapping with the experience that I'm going to share with you. Um, So I think it, it all happens kind of for a reason. And there's, there's always um, sort of a a blessing and a lesson, right? So all of these things together have led me to becoming a connection coach. Um, So that's, yeah. Tell us more about what is a connection coach? What does that mean? Overall, I help people to use tools, sort of embrace their vulnerability, um, but then be able to apply very simple but effective techniques to connect more genuinely and authentically with the people in their lives. Mm -hmm. So right now, I'm more specifically working with men who struggle Mm -hmm. with loneliness Um, due to all the pressures and societal conditioning, you know, to, to be a man and what it means to, you know, be a man and not, not be vulnerable. So that is, that's where my focus is these days. Okay. Awesome. Wow. It's so needed. It sounds like you started by helping people with physical connection and that came out of a place of wanting to help with uh, bridge the gap in this, these divides we have in the country. And now you're working on helping people connect on a more intimate and emotional level. It sounds like you're all about connection. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) A hundred percent. That is my jam. So yeah. And I feel like helping in the relationship sort of arena, like really dialing it in there can have a ripple effect out. So if if we start healing those really intimate personal connections and relationships, then that can have a huge ripple out effect. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So today, uh, you know, we're talking about toxic positivity and that by that, we mean not that positivity is a bad thing, but that it can be turned toxic when it's not in balance with allowing us to experience grief or other difficult things uh, when it's put on us in a way that denies our experience and invalidates us. Um, So you have a story that connects with this powerfully. Could you go ahead and and share with us your story? Mm, Yes, thank you. Um, So in 2017, um, the beginning of 2017, I lost one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, her name is Katie, mm-hmm. and I have known her since freshman year of high school. And um, she was always larger than life. And, um, you know, she had no problems dropping the F bombs. You know, I was thinking actually about your artwork that you shared with me and, uh-huh. and the fuck piece. Yeah. Like, I would send that to her in a heartbeat. So uh-huh. um, that resonates. But she, um, so she had, she had been diagnosed with leukemia in our early 20s. And then um, she had a bone marrow transplant and was in remission. And then 
shortly before I moved to New York and I moved here in 2015, she started having some heart problems. Mm. And so for the next year and a half or so, she underwent a lot of, um, a lot of procedures and not a lot of answers. And she ended up passing away in February of 2017. Wow. And that it, you know, losing someone close to you is always hard, but when somebody is so young Mm -hmm. and your age and you've known them for like half your life and they're, they're like your family, you know, that's, so devastating. And, and so that really spun me. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the grief was very heavy and then that triggered depression. Mm -hmm. And I was in this place for many, many months. And so grief, when we talk about grief, like there is no right thing to say ever, Mm -hmm. right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's everybody's experience with grief is so unique and so personal and people respond in very different ways that often don't make sense to anybody else. So it's understandable that it's hard to know like what to say to somebody, Right. but there are so many things that are the wrong thing to say. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and, and so hopefully a lot of people will be able to relate to this But, you know, if somebody says to you after you've just lost somebody close to you, like they're in a better place or they're with God now, or at least this, or at least that, you know, there's so many things or like stay strong. That's one that kills me too. And I think that it's tricky when we receive these messages because we intellectually know they're coming from a good place. Mm And the intention is well-meaning, but what it does is it, it takes away the actual experience for the person who's going through the experience Mm -hmm. and makes it feel like that experience doesn't matter. And, um, so I think there's a really like tricky spot there because if you're the person, you know, using myself in this example, I know that you mean well, when you tell me she's in a better place and she's not suffering anymore. And I do agree. She's not suffering anymore. However, the awkwardness behind that is like the motivation because we want to say something that's supportive, but Mm -hmm. we also want to move on and get out of the awkward place. Mm -hmm. So we say something that doesn't acknowledge the experience Mm -hmm. and, and because it's like, thank you. You know, I appreciate you saying something. You also, it puts me, I want to make sure I speak in the I perspective, but like, you know, then I feel not wanting to lash out Mm -hmm. because I know it comes from a good place. So it's like such a tricky thing. Right. Um, but I think specifically for me in that experience, the worst was my mom saying it's time to heal now. Mm. And And so there's a lot with grief of um, people thinking that there's like a time frame for how long you should grieve Mm -hmm. and then you need to move on. Mm -hmm. And 
that was really the trigger for me. It was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like this just happened. Your dog died eight months ago. And this was my human best friend. Right. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's just so much around that. And it's wanting to be supportive, but having the opposite effect, I think. Yeah. And I talked about that on a previous episode too, about how it comes from a good place because what we ultimately want for the person that we're trying to encourage or support who's going through that tough thing is we want them to get to a better place. So we Mm -hmm. start by saying those things that we think are going to help get them there by saying something encouraging, but it really has the opposite effect that really the way to the other side, the way to that healing place is through the pain. Um, And that often the reason we say these things too is like, yes, we want to be encouraging and all of that, but we haven't developed the tolerance within ourselves to feel these uncomfortable and difficult feelings and to sit with grief and to sit with sadness. So when we don't have that in ourselves, we don't have the capacity to share that with someone else. So Mm -hmm. in some ways it comes from a place of your grief is making me uncomfortable and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to acknowledge that. I don't know how to get real with you right there. So I'm going to say this like, oh, look on the bright side kind of thing. And uh, it's so interesting what you said about this dynamic. That's something I hadn't really thought of either, that it, it puts this weird dynamic on you, the grieving person, to like assure them that you're going to be okay. Mm. And you shouldn't have to be, now you're taking on all this extra or like you have to stifle your feelings because you don't want to hurt their feelings because they're trying mm. to help you. And like, that's like extra, that's extra layers of bullshit that you don't need, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's literally specifically what happened in this example with my mom, because I knew that if I actually expressed like, this is actually hurting me more than then that was going to trigger her to say like, I would never do anything to hurt you, mm-hmm. you know? And so then there's, like you said, it's like this back and forth bullshit dynamic where it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm in a really painful spot right now. And I need you to just recognize that. And I don't want to yeah. carry the burden of, you know, your intentions. Uh But um, I want to go back to what you just said about, you know, not being able to like acknowledge that for ourselves, Mm -hmm. because I think uh, there's so much there because a lot of this toxic positivity thing and not being able to, you know, respond maybe appropriately to other people is because we fall in that toxic positivity trap with ourselves Mm -hmm. because we want to look on the bright side and we want to be optimistic and we don't want to give up hope. And that's awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's so important to stay optimistic and, and, you know, see the blessing and the lesson and the silver lining and, you know, Mm -hmm. all these things. But when it's done at a point where you're, you're denying yourself the acknowledgement of the feelings mm-hmm. and just trying to blow past it and put like a bandaid, then that's never really going to get solved. And I think that's mm-hmm. where like that toxic positivity really starts with ourselves is because we have to sit with the feelings and be in the shit and like notice what's coming up before we can really say, okay, this is what's going on. I recognize it, you know, and like sort of hold yourself gently in those Mm -hmm. feelings before you can then 
move on and like, look at the bright side. But Mm -hmm. if we, like you said, if we can't do that for ourselves, we can't do that for somebody else. And there's such a thing with like, you know, quote unquote, good emotions and bad emotions. We Mm want to balance everything into these containers. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't really like to look at, you know, the quote unquote bad emotions because Mm -hmm. all the emotions are there to serve you in some Mm -hmm. way, but you have to be able to like sit with that and see what it's trying to tell you. Yeah. Every feeling has a a reason, like in the movie in and out, I think they did such a, or or, sorry, inside out. They yes. did such a great job showing that. They're like fear yes. has a, a reason to help you survive because it stops mm. you from falling off the cliff. Disgust has an instinctual uh, purpose to help you survive because it stops you from eating the poisonous berries or whatever. And I love too how they, part of what that movie digs into is like initially they're like sadness has no purpose. We don't want that here. And they, they find that there is a purpose for it. But grief is kind of even deeper than just sadness. And grief is specifically tied to loss. So I'd love if if you have any thoughts that we could dig in on that, like how, how do you feel like grief served you and helped you in the end, even though it may not have felt like that in the moment? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And I think the biggest way that it served me is being able to recognize how important just having a safe space and compassion and, you know, allowing somebody to have their experience without me needing to project onto it Mm -hmm. because now having been in that experience you know I because I you know to be honest I'm sure that I have been somebody who's who's like awkwardly not known what to say to people in that experience before and what this loss has given me is the ability to just whenever and not even specific to grief but whenever anybody that I'm talking with is going through anything Mm -hmm. that I can just show up and be fully present with them and, Mm -hmm. you know, say, I'm here. Mm -hmm. What, what do you need right now? What Mm -hmm. would feel the most supportive to you? Do you want to share stories about this person? Like, would that feel good? Mm -hmm. Do you want to, you know, go off because you're angry about whatever happened, you know, like what would feel the most supportive to you? Because it really all comes down to, you know, how can you help someone to feel seen? Yeah. And I don't think that I had as big of an awareness around that until going through this experience. So it's kind of looping back to what we were talking about just a second ago about how sometimes when we say those things, and yes, first of all, I'll be the first to admit that I have definitely been that person who said the wrong thing because like, you don't know what to say. Exactly. Um, but anyway, that, that having gone through this, now that you've opened that capacity in yourself, that you're able to be there for someone and expand that and carry their burden. Mm. Yeah. So I'd love to go back because I, I'm not sure if you shared the, the rest of your story. So we we're going back to this place where your mom was saying it's time to heal. And is there, is there more to the story? What, ha- what kind of happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I did end up telling her because she had lovingly 
tried to say more than once, it's time to heal now. Mm-hmm. And, and it took a couple times of her saying it for me to actually speak up and say, you know, I know that this is coming from a good place, but it's actually really hurting me. Mm-hmm. And I got the response that I expected, but I, I felt it was really important to speak up and advocate for myself in that scenario. And, and so I did. And, um, I got that guilt blowback, but I didn't back down. And, you know, it led to, I mean, honestly, I mean, this whole time frame with my mom was like also a rough period for other reasons. So this reason was like one of many that we had a really strained relationship for a while because I started advocating for myself more so in terms of what I needed and setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the big takeaway there is boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, letting people know that what you're saying, I know that because there's a way to let people know that they're crossing a boundary that is not going to be harmful, mm-hmm. you know? So, so if you can start by expressing, I know this is coming from a loving place and I hear you and I appreciate that, but it's actually not feeling supportive to me. And this uh-huh. is why, and this is what I actually need right now. Uh-huh that can be like sort of a tricky thing to bridge, but it is so worth it because it leads to having a lot more authentic of a relationship rather than continuing to stuff those feelings, stuff those feelings, stuff those feelings, because Mm -hmm. we don't want to carry, you know, again, that burden of somebody else's guilt for saying the wrong thing. Yeah. That's so empowering. And I love how you worded that. And I would imagine it's, not as easy to say in the moment, <laughs> but it's like, I think it's so helpful for me to practice language like that in a time when I'm not in that escalated state mm. so that when I'm there, I can say it better. So I love that language. I may come back to that if I need it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I think there's always an initial impulse, right? When we feel triggered by something somebody says or does, but um, I think that if if you can have the awareness to like take a few deep breaths before mm-hmm. you respond and, and really just for a flip quick second, like put yourself in the other person's shoes uh-huh. and to be able to have that awareness of like where they're coming from and what their intention actually is, mm-hmm. then it allows you to kind of soften in your response too, yeah. you know? So if you can like take a few deep breaths, put your, feelings about whatever was said over here in this box for now and Uh and think like okay this person you know my mom is just like trying to like help me move on and and it's not appropriate but that's what I'm going to tell her you know like that's why it's important because we don't know what we don't know Mm -hmm. so unless we ask or unless we put it on upon ourselves to like speak up for what we need then we can't Mm -hmm. expect somebody else to know yeah I think it, it's such a beautiful thing to be able to look at someone with empathy, even when they're hurting you mm-hmm. and going, okay, where are they coming from and what's their motivation and how can I then speak to that part of them? Yeah, I see that they're coming to me with goodness. I'm not feeling that, but maybe I can speak to that part of them, but at the same time, set a boundary for myself. Yeah. Yeah. If you're the person who's trying to be supportive, 
you have to also, and not knowing what to say, you have to recognize that for a lot of people, it's really hard to reach out and ask for help or support mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, for someone to actually do that and say, hey, I'm struggling right now, that indicates there's a level of trust there. Mm that they are willing to be vulnerable and share with you what's going on. And so if the response is, you know, something that totally invalidates the experience, Uh then there's trust broken there. And that person is not going to keep reaching out to you when they are struggling Uh because, because now you have taught them that if they're going through a hard time, your response is going to be, you'll get through it. Yeah. You know, just keep going. Just, yeah. you know, turn that smile, turn that frown upside down, you mm-hmm. know, like you're, you're strong, stay strong. So, and it shatters whatever yeah. was there and that takes a long time to rebuild. So, yeah. so yeah, I think really just recognizing that like, if someone is coming to you, that means something and that should not be, you know, taken lightly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a really important reminder that when people open up to us, it's, it's a vulnerable thing. And yeah, there, there is that assumption of trust there. So if, if that trust is then broken, then that person is going to withdraw Mm -hmm. again as like a survival response. Mm -hmm. This is no longer safe. I'm not going to open up anymore. And then you get stuck in this shut off place, but if yeah. they come to you and you can respond to their openness with more of your openness, then it just keeps growing. Yeah. Yeah. And not turning it back to yourself. I'm like, uh-huh. oh, well, this reminds me of when I went through X, Y, Z. No, you know, like right now is not about you. Yeah. <laughs> like if you want to be a friend and you want to show that you are being supportive, then I need you to just like be here yeah. and not try to fix anything either, because that's yeah. another thing that we often want to do is we want to fix and we want to make it better. And sometimes we just need people to just be there and be a safe space that we can share and feel seen and feel heard, even if it doesn't make sense or sounds crazy, whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things, I think that can be really helpful when someone does come to you in that space. And I think you touched on this a little bit, but just asking, what do you need? How can I support Mm. you? And sometimes that's a tough question because people have asked me that before and I'm like, I don't know what I need. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, thank you for asking. And, you know, thank you for coming from that place. And, um, yeah. So, so starting with how can I support you? What feels best right now? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to go drink wine? Do you want to go punch a punching bag? Like, what do you, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And because that's a good point too. Sometimes, you know, there, it's just such a complicated fucking thing, right? Because, you, there's a fine line too. You got to know your audience basically, Uh because you got to know when like, it's going to be too overwhelming to ask those questions or when it's more appropriate to just say, you know, come with like a very sincere, open-hearted sort of like gesture and eye contact and body language and say like, you know, what would feel the most supportive to you? I think Mm -hmm. in the way that you say that can maybe invite someone to actually say what would be supportive Mm -hmm. because sometimes, sometimes those, those offers feel empty. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You know, and I think that's where we tend to sort of recoil and go, I don't know. I don't know what would feel good because you don't really feel like the offer is genuine. Mm-hmm. But, um, but if you really come in and you sort of like get in close and you're like, what can I do? You know, what feels the most supportive to you? And, yeah. and you still don't really get sort of anything back and say, I'm here mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm going to check in and just like send you some love notes so that you know that I'm here. And that if you do think of something that would feel supportive, you know, let me know because, because it's like such a fine line between like being overbearing and overwhelming Uh, with wanting to be supportive and, and like totally checking out because you're like, well, I tried and they don't want my support. Yeah. And I love the specificity of that and the way that you got like really like intimate and thinking about nonverbal cues as well and how important that is. And then mm. really letting them know that you're there. The offer is authentic. It's genuine. And you make that connection to when you, if you think of something specific, if you want to do this or that, give me a call. That's so different. And that's so much deeper than what we usually do is, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that happened. Let me know if there's anything I can do reach out to me if you, you know, usually we start with that, like, uh, mm. reach out to me. And they're like, are they ever going to like, probably not when right. it comes from that, like really vague, uh, I don't know. And it like, it's sort of <laughs> puts it on them, right. To reach out. Yeah. Yeah. Be really doing the job to reach out to those who are grieving, not putting it on them to mm-hmm. reach out to us for support, mm-hmm. not just in grief. That's in like, you know, Anything. you hear about that with friends who are suicidal and things like that. It's like, um, you know, check in on your friends because it's like, if you, if you make that, we think that it's enough to make that space open. Like, Hey, let me know if you're dealing with anything. Like there, if you're in that place, if you are there, you're not going to reach out. Right. So like we have to do the job of reaching out and being there. Yeah. It takes takes a lot of that empathy that you're talking about. It all goes back to that. So, yeah. So I I'd love to circle back I made a note of something you said at the very beginning that I thought was really <laughs> interesting because you started off by saying like there's a, a blessing and the lesson and that like everything is, everything happens for a reason or something like that. Mm. I thought that was so fascinating because like, that's one of the examples that I've used of like, those are the things that like, when you're in the middle of it, that yeah. if someone says that to you, you're like, I don't want the blessing and the lesson right now. I'm like, it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm glad you pointed that out because that's so true. I mean, that's one of the top toxic positivity things to say to somebody who's like in the shit. Yeah. But, um, so to clarify, that's something I say to myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's like my own philosophy that I choose to live by, but it's uh-huh. not something that I ever say to anybody else. Yeah. So, um, because it is, you know, there is so much to do with like timing. And a lot of times we can see something in the past that we couldn't see when we were in the middle of it, mm-hmm. you know, but that's, that person's journey. That's not for anybody else to say to you like, oh, well, there's a reason this is happening. You Uh know, just you wait. That's that. mm, No. So that's a personal philosophy that I live by. Yeah. And I remind myself that. And, you know, I mean, (laughs) I was dog sitting for my friend this weekend and her dog um, 
chewed a hole in my rug and I was pissed. (laughs) And, but you know, after, afterwards when I was walking her and I was like, okay, what is the lesson? What is the lesson? And, and I was like, oh, you're stuck in a lack mindset because you're Uh thinking like, oh, you know, I can't afford to replace this rug right now. That's a Uh lack mindset, you know? So it's like, that's something that I apply in my everyday woes, but that's not something that I would suggest saying to somebody else. (laughs) No, and I'm I'm sure you wouldn't, but um, I I find that so interesting. So it's like, if you have these practices and these things that you tell yourself on a good day, uh, you know, I think it can help to tell yourself when you're going through the tough stuff too. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Oh, Um, thank you. It takes a lot, I think, to come on and be vulnerable in a, a public space. So I appreciate that. And I think Katie would be honored that you're here sharing mm. and empowering others and mm. just expanding love and capacity to embrace whatever we go through. I'm like going to cry right mm. now. Thank you so much, Carolyn. I got so much from that conversation, and I hope you did too. You can find Rachel on Instagram at rachelj.co. The spelling for that is R-A-C-H-A-E-L-J-A-Y-E.co, and on her website, marriagemvp.com, and all this is in the show notes as well. Here are the main takeaways from today's episode. Number one, grief is personal. It looks different for everyone. It takes different lengths of time to heal, and that's not for anyone else to determine other than the person who's going through it. Number two, there's never really a right thing to say, but there are a lot of wrong things to say. Rather than telling someone to look on the bright side, try really being present with them, offering true connection, and defer to them for what they need in that moment. Number three, if you're the one grieving, you can lovingly set boundaries with those who are not there for you in the way that you need them to be. It may be a struggle at first, but it will transform your relationships and deepen them and help you get to where you need to be. Number four, it all comes back to empathy. Whether you're the one grieving or the one trying to comfort the person grieving, take a breath and put yourself in their shoes for a second. We have to start with ourselves and our own capacity to sit with our feelings, which then lead to us being able to sit with someone else when they're going through it. Thanks for listening today. Again, like I said, next week, we're going to be talking about this topic sort of from a different angle. Sarah Logan will be sharing her experience. Be sure to check out Rachel on Instagram. And don't forget, you can get that free playbook, Five Fumbles When You're Trying to Score and the Recoveries to Earn Your Bedroom MVP. And also, if you're interested in those quilling workshops with me, those are on my website, edgecraftatx.com. See you next time. And thanks for listening.